I'm sorry, I should say standing by. I'm quoting, I'm quoting Howl's Moving Castle. Sorry, uh, I'm standing by. Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for October has been provided by Joyent, the only cloud service that's purpose-built to power today's real-time web and mobile applications. Joyent offers the most cost-effective public and hybrid cloud solutions available today. Here at 5x5, we host all of our web and app servers in the Joyent cloud, so we highly recommend that you check them out and sign up for a free trial at joyent.com. My guest this week is Merlin Mann. He needs no particular introduction. Uh, it's a, a sincere pleasure to have him back again. How's it going, Merlin? Great, Brett. Thanks for having me back. It's it's honestly, uh, I look forward to talking to you. You are you are a never-ending fount of uh, kind of... Uh, e- e- eccentric topics <laughs> is it that's good yes that's that's awesome <laughs> those because i like this show to be kind of organic and i don't like it to necessarily follow a structured outline that i prepare beforehand and you are a pro at, at exactly that yeah i agree you know sometimes uh if you outline too much you end up serving the outline more than the uh the conversation so we could talk about bands that don't have bass players we could talk about dogs we could talk about whatever you want. What, I'm totally what you, game. What are you drinking for caffeine these days? Oh, that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked me that. Uh, I should have checked the name of it. I think it's called Nuva. I, I've mentioned this on another program that I'm on. But I, uh, I, I've been trying to I, – I don't even want to bring this up because inevitably, no matter what I say over talking to somebody for an hour or two hours, whatever, if me mentioning that I've weaned myself off ADD drugs is what people always want to talk about. Oh, oh, I, I do want to talk about that. But. Oh, I haven't told you that, have I? <laughs> no, you haven't. The downside, that took, that took a little while, but then the downside was, I, I don't know if you've ever taken ADD drugs, Brett, but they provide a lot of, <laughs> mm, they provide a lot of energy. And in the absence of them, if you've ever missed one, you know it can make you a little bit sleepy. So I knew going into it that I didn't want to overcompensate with coffee because coffee unlike the clean experience of ADD drugs, can really keep me up all night. You know, if I do Adderall, if I did it when I was doing Adderall, when I did it right, I wasn't losing sleep. Right. With coffee, if I, it's three o'clock, I'm at that point where I would just be kind of tapering off the day's ADD experience. I'd be fine. But I'll go, oh, it's 3.45. I'll have a really strong coffee. And everything's, I'm a, I get a little bit of energy. But then I'm drumming my fingers at three in the morning, thinking about how my life is falling apart. Yes, and and coffee doesn't work as a replacement for the uh, uh, ADD drugs. I, like I found, uh, like I take, yeah. I regularly take kind of like drug vacations, meaning I don't take my meds, the ADD ones anyway. Like I maintain the mood stabilizers and everything, but during that, what you called sleepiness, uh, coffee doesn't make any difference for me. I'm just, I'm dead sleepy. God, I wish we could talk about this on the show. Um, I'll just say that, that you blew my mind when you told me something extremely unlikely, which is that maybe not down to the milligram, but you and I were taking exactly the same two exact things for exactly the same thing. I've never met anybody else that takes those two things. <laughs> and you know that second thing, you got to taper the living crap out of that. Yes, Black box, right? You got to be super careful with that. That was the one that was actually harder on me. Um, but you're absolutely right. And it's something my shrink told me when I first went in. 
I'm heavily paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of, um, well, I'd said how over the years I realized I'd been self-medicating. I would drink literally one to two pots of coffee every morning when I had a jobby job and I would take ephedrine and I would just basically take anything that would make me a little more up. And it provided, I know in retrospect that it provided a lot of the kind of stimulation that kept me feeling on my game. But he said something along the lines of, uh, I, I so apologize for paraphrasing a doctor here, but something along the lines of what that does is mimic the mimic the effects of being uh, right, of like being stable, of being you know. It's, so one of the side effects of uh, uh, <laughs> I'm putting this so poorly. If you drink a lot of coffee, you'll get a buzz, but it's not going to help your attention. It, it, it can, like, if you're a normal person and you drink coffee, it can make you feel uh, a lot more fearless. And so you can, you know, sort of plow through stuff. It can also make you super duper nervous and anxious. But it, it mimics a lot of the effects of normalcy without providing any of the real normalcy. And so you're absolutely right. And I did not, I knew, I, I knew that going into this. And even still, I would have a little more coffee than I knew I should. Because, you know, as you get older, coffee has more side effects, I think, than it used to. Like when I was, when I was young, I could eat uh, three Thai dinners and have a pot of coffee at 11 at night, and I, I was fine in every respect the next day. Let's just take it as red. That's not true anymore. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. So anyhow, I started drinking this stuff recommended to me. Actually, not my wife went to Andronico's one day and picked up this tea called Nuva, and it's one of those kind of herbally teas. Let me, let me just get the box. Runa, Runa, Nuva. Nuva sounds like a, a GPS device. Runa. Or a birth control. Oh, it totally does. Runa, traditional, uh, and I always pronounce this wrong, guayusa tea. And it's got this stuff in it. And anyway, what's nice about it is it's not as bitter as a lot of uh, these kind of herbal teas. It gives you, uh, I think, about the caffeine of a cup of coffee, maybe a little less. But uh, I don't know, focused energy, they say. I, I don't know if that's a brand uh, term if that's trademark but it does it, it makes me feel on my game without feeling like i'm losing my mind how is it an herbal caffeinated tea um herbal teas are generally decaf that's very true this has 38 milligrams of caffeine which is not a huge amount and uh lots of uh i don't know what the symbol means units 1950 units of antioxidants brett as i sit here today i still don't know what an antioxidant is something something cancer i'm not sure what it does right they're, but, uh, they're a lot like um uh, what's the stuff in Gatorade? Oh, <laughs> electrolytes. It's, it's what it's got what a body needs. Electrolytes. <laughs> electrolytes and antioxidants. No one knows what's what they called? are. Bron- Brondo is that the stuff in uh, Idiocracy? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that movie. Kinda... That was the only part of that movie I really appreciated. That and the uh, the diagrams of uh, breeding patterns at the beginning. Oh my God. I love that movie so much. But yeah, no, I like this stuff. And, uh, but it requires a new kind of mindfulness, I have to say. And, you know, I don't know. I shouldn't get into this. I don't like talking about health stuff because I feel like it opens a door, you know. But I'll, I'll just say, like, I, I kind of reached a point where I thought I don't want to have to be 75 and getting a monthly physical prescription for speed. Like if I have to do that, that's okay. I'll be okay with that. But I'm not. I'm far from a teetotaler, as you know. But at the same time, I was like, I don't need. I don't want to have this accumulation of things that I have to do. It's very limiting, you know. Um, if if the power goes out, if if we have an earthquake and a, and a meltdown, you know, you know how this is. It's just like Schedule One stuff. You've got to have a physical prescription in your hand. They always look askance at you, mm-hmm. and it's. I just thought, 
you talked about taking uh, vacations from, from medication, vacation, medication, vacation. And I thought I'll at least give it a spin. I'd like to make it stick. And so far it's, it's going okay. I have a lot less energy than I had a few months ago. I mean, markedly less energy. But I'm trying to account for that by just being a 46-year-old man and trying to get more sleep, really trying to eat better. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm losing weight and I'm feeling pretty okay. Afternoons still suck. You know, if you've ever been out, if you've ever been out of uh, the stuff and like afternoons can be really painful. Yes, yes. Don't you think? That, that's, morning's like, it's okay. I'll just be a little... When I was taking, and I wasn't taking a huge amount, but still, you know, a big one in the morning and then a little one at lunch, and I, it would be smooth out the day. But man, if it ran out too abruptly, I would feel crazy, crazy and stupid and tired. Yes, it's very much a, uh, it's a drug habit. You know, it's your body, your body <laughs> goes to withdrawal, you go through mental and physical withdrawal. It's, it's rough, I think. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody about this. I think I was talking to D Sparks about this the other day. I, I, I was saying, you know, it's funny because if I was, if it was something I were taking for chemo or something that I were taking to regulate the health of my heart, I mean, there aren't that many drugs that people take for 15 or 20 years where they go, oh boy, I can't wait to take this drug in the morning. And that's where I was because it really did help me a lot. But I don't know. I may go back at some point, but uh, I'd rather see if I can hack it on my own. And, you know, there's certain aspects of my personality that I have more access to than I used to. Because, you know, the whole day could become a kind of blur of activity. It was, you know, easy to pay a whole lot of attention to whatever I wanted to pay attention to. And I got better executive function at that, for sure. But, you know, then also I realized that I didn't always like what it did to my personality if I wasn't careful. And I just, just the idea of, you know, imagine me with, uh, you know, some Rick Baker makeup on at the age of 75 or 80, like going to Walgreens in my hobo pants and like asking for speed. <laughs> it's just that, 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 that picture was not sitting particularly well with me. I totally get it. And I've had very similar trains of thoughts, although not to the extent that, but that, I mean, that's why I take the vacations. It's just because I get that uh, fear that I can't function without but, I think uh, it's pretty standard for a lot of people, and especially if I understand correctly with kids, the idea that you should take weekends off or something like that at least. But And you've tried different things in the past, right? I think we talked about yes, I, Not specifics, but that helps too, to try different things. And unlike something like antidepressants, I've had friends who were antidepressants were just really a slog to try and get something, to get the right, for lack of a better word, mix, to have the pie chart end up somewhere that wasn't just mania or uh, impotence or, you know, have slices that, you know, become so overriding that it feels worse than the depression and you give up and then it's, you're back in a bad place. I feel lucky in the sense that I, this, this phony baloney disease I have that I've dealt with, uh, you know, it's not like my life's going to fall apart if I get that wrong. I can adjust pretty quickly. And I'll tell you one, one good thing about this stuff is it does get out of your body pretty quick. It is physically out of your body by the next morning. Yeah. It's just that then your brain the next morning is wondering what is going on? Why is everything so, you know, why am I floating in jello, you know? <laughs> yes. But yes. we can't talk about it. We shouldn't talk about that. No. What are you Probably drinking for not. tea? What's I, your tea? Well, I, I, I have like a, a closet with about right now probably seven or eight different kinds of tea, but they're all like real tea. I don't, I don't, I have a, a firm belief that herbal tea is, uh, evil 
I've started drinking. I started realizing I enjoy. I've been really trying to cut out sugar and wheat, and uh, and I so when I go out to you know, and I don't love beer. It makes me feel fat. Uh, and so I'll get iced tea a lot when I go out. And so I started making ice. This is so interesting, Brett. I've started making iced tea a lot at home and I like it. It's got a negligible amount of caffeine. It's very refreshing. And an alternation of iced tea and uh, soda stream is a nice thing throughout the day for me. So give me, what, what do you recommend? A black tea? What do you recommend? Right now, at this moment, I am drinking a black tea. Um, but I have developed an appreciation for pretty much the full spectrum of oolongs and yellows and greens and blacks. And I like spring buds. Like you, you get the tea and it's actually still like in the bud form. And it doesn't. Oh, and you make it roll your own with your own little bags. No, you don't even have to. You just throw it in the hot water and you steep it for maybe two minutes. And then you, you like I, I have a thermos that I just run, it has a sieve on top and I just pour out the tea then and uh, and it's a really light like yellow tea. It's really tasty. That sounds great. Uh, let me make yet another correction. This is green tea. It is not herbal. I take it. Okay, back. that makes tea. more sense. That makes way yeah. more sense. We should start over. Consider it oh. done. Okay. Guay guay you Anyway, we can't talk about that stuff. Yeah, so I still kick off my morning with a cup of coffee, mostly mm-hmm. because I really enjoy coffee. Not so much for the bang, just as the the ritual and the process. And I've been getting like really good beans from Tonks, and I it would be really hard for me to stop having the smell and the ritual of coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. But I'm I, I drink like one cup a day now. And I used to do that too. And I love what you said about mimicking the effects of normalcy because that's kind of the story of my life is like, I've always had disorders of some kind for as long as I can remember early childhood. I, I can, I can begin to explain things I did way back then with diagnoses that I didn't get until now. And, uh, and, and most of the kind of uh, chemical experimentation I did was exactly to to mimic the effects of normalcy, right? Interesting. It, 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 it absolutely is. It's something where I think uh, we all have this idea, whether we realize it or not. I think most of us have an idea in our head of of who we should be or what we should be doing. And when you have to live with that disparity for a long time, whether it could be something like you don't feel like you don't fit in with people. It could be, I think that's a pretty common one. Uh, you, you know, you feel like an outcast or you feel like you're not good enough at something. But think about, I mean, like why, why people might, might do certain substances more. It might start with something as simple as a little bit of social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then you make it through one night with that and then you want to have it for another. I don't want to get too far into the addiction thing. Right. But, well, there's a personality line there. You know, where, where some people, some people decide a little bit is good. So a lot must be better. And some people don't have that. Some people don't have that tendency. Well, and you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I haven't given this a great deal of thought, but I think part of a thread that's been running through this in my thinking about this in the last six months to a year is, you know, uh, I think it's pretty scary to think about what parts of you are really you. And what parts of you are either uh, created out of some bottle of one kind or another? What parts of you, you know, do you have access to the person that you really are, let alone the person that you'd really like to be? And that 
mimicking of normalcy can mask a lot of the stuff that's making it harder for you to be who you want to be. I sound like I'm an A or something. I don't mean to sound like that. But but I think that's that's part of it is I wanted to start slowly taking away a few of the things that um, I suspected might be contributing to make me whatever this person was. And, you know, it's easy to make, you know, you can make excuses about anything. You can make excuses about, about substances, about anything. But I like your, I like that phrase you use, personality. Because I think some of us do have a, a, like a certain personality. I've never had, believe it or not, I've never had the hyperactivity part of, of ADHD. I never had a problem as a kid uh, sitting still in class. I got bored sometimes, but I didn't feel, somebody once described, I don't know if this is still accurate, uh, ADD is like, you feel like you're being run by a motor that you don't have control over, the hyperactivity part. And I never had that. For me, it was, it was really uh, a focus issue. But, you know, it's, it, it just, it seems ludicrous for me personally, just me, to think that like, I'm going to be that much better by just relying on this thing. I mean, I might as well at some point figure out exactly what it is that's wrong with me rather than, you know, staying on this, this kind of medical treadmill. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. Do you want to take a sponsor break so we can get off the, uh, the drug oh, talk? Absolutely. <laughs> I, Cause, because I, I would keep dragging us down into this if we don't, uh, step out for a moment. I have so much to say about it. Um, I do, I do too. We should start another show. <laughs> drug talk with Merlin talk. and Brett. Hi. <laughs> Hi, this is drug talk. Hi, my name is Brett. And okay, Hi. Um, okay. So our first sponsor is Hover.com, Simplified Domain Management. Uh, you've probably registered a domain. I've registered a domain with a company that just wants to sell you services you're not interested in. And Hover makes it easy. If you just type in a few keywords, Hover will figure out some available domains using those terms for you, like magic. That was kind of a non sequitur. Uh, no, I think it works. Okay, okay. Uh, there are a lot of dot whatever choices out there, but Hover has some really great ones, like .net. .net is a really popular extension these days, but it still has so many domain names available, you can still get the one you're looking for. Uh, let's see. Hover just keeps getting better, and now they offer Google Apps. You can now add Google Apps to a domain uh, that you already own on Hover. Here's the deal. You can get everything you already love about the full suite of Google's productivity apps, Gmail, Calendar, Drive, Docs, the whole package. But you know Google is one huge company, so they can be hard to get a hold of for your questions, concerns, support needs. Uh, but that's the best part. You get everything you love about Google Apps, but with, but you get the outstanding support from the team at Hover. People already love Google Apps for Gmail's 25 gigabytes of storage and how easy it is to collaborate with chat and file sharing. It's a great solution for businesses, but also for families and groups who want the ability to share all kinds of stuff. If you're still not quite sure about Google Apps, uh, they're offering a 30-day free trial so you can see what you think. Hover has real human beings available for support, and their number is right on the front page of their website. If you have any problems, just pick up the phone and call. Use the code DANSENTME or visit hover.com slash DANSENTME, and you'll get 10% off of everything you buy from hover.com. I feel like that went well. It went terrifically well. I'm getting better at this. You're so much better. <laughs> you, you didn't used to be that good at it. You've gotten so much better. You sound more relaxed, Brett. I am more relaxed. I I stopped I stopped thinking. I stopped overthinking the whole thing. There's a lot of freedom when you stop caring. <laughs> it's so true. It really is. 
Oh man. Same with support. Like, uh, like I still care about my users, but I don't care about every single complaint that comes over my, like, I just, it doesn't get under my skin anymore. I can, I can use a text expander snippet to handle things that I've handled a thousand times and that used to really drag me down and boom, done. Yeah, it can be, uh, you have to learn to care sensibly because if you care insensibly, if you care, you know, 100% about every single thing that happens ever, you're going to lose your mind. That's, this is an old hobby horse of mine, but you know, it's, um, if if you try to lavish the same amount of attention on every person, I mean, at a certain point, you have to just. We talked about something before the show where sometimes there are there are points in life where you really, really want something to go a certain way, but the costs in any way you choose to measure it could be way too high. Just given the fact that if you gave even half that much attention to any other thing, right? So let's say you have one customer who was really hot about it, and maybe it was something where it was pilot error on their end. Who knows? Maybe it was something where they were having trouble configuring something. They didn't know there was an incompatibility that you had no way of knowing about. You could spend five years trying to fix that problem and still never fix it. And all the time that you're spending on that, you're not helping you know, your, your power users, super users who, who just need help with a license or something like that. And that, that would become such a distraction that you wouldn't be able to do a good job anymore. I did learn an important uh, customer support lesson this weekend. And uh, basically someone asked a question that I had answered many times. And so instead of writing, I just linked them to a blog post on the subject, but I just put a link in and that, and, and rightly so the customer was a little bit peeved that I couldn't be bothered to write a sentence. And uh, even though I felt like I was, you know, providing all the information necessary for the support request, that sentence really, you know, in retrospect, really does make a difference. Just saying, hi, I understand, and I hope that helps, and then a link, and yeah. Personal- personality needs to People shine through and all that. People hate that. People hate that. And sometimes it's all I can do not to do that, the equivalent of just Google it. But you can probably <laughs> solve that with a three-field text expander, which is yeah, clipboard. Exactly. Yeah, clipboard, um, maybe even two, but something along the lines of clipboard, topic we're talking about and then uh, just a, one specific bit about it where you could say uh here, here's a blog post uh here's a blog post that addressed the problem with syncing over iCloud uh let me know if, if that was useful to you or something like that you know so what I mean that last line that let me know if that helps or let me know if that was useful to you I learned that when I was working at Agile mm-hmm. and it, it that is that's that's what adds the personal touch that doesn't make someone feel like they just got read to out of a, a manual by the phone company. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I feel like this sometimes I'm, um, I don't know. I, it's, I used to get really frustrated on Twitter when people would, would get all confused or even mad about not understanding some reference to something that I made. And granted, a lot of what I say is really bananas, but an astonishing amount of everything that I've ever said on Twitter was copied out of a Wikipedia entry or copied out of an IMDb something. So when I say horn swoopy, bungo pony, dog sled on ice, make a dash for freedom, baby, don't, don't skate on polar ice. If you copied that string and pasted it in there, you would be about half a second away from finding out that that's the lyrics from a Blue Oyster Cult song and that I wasn't actually having a stroke. You know, it's, you could just grab three words and search and you'd see what it is. That's what I did. You know, that's how I found it. 
But oh, you know, I, it is I, I a funny that, presence of mind thing. I think that should be second nature for most people following you on Twitter. But did you know the the no. keyboardist from Blue Oyster Cult died recently? Oh no, really? Yeah, he was. I he was don't also. Think I knew that. He played keys for uh, for Jim Carroll on some of Jim Carroll's stuff too. Notably, uh, people who died. He was in that video. Wow, I think a lot of people still Which, don't know that they did a bunch of stuff with uh, Patty Smith. Patty Smith is a weird pivot between Blue Oyster Cult and Bruce Springsteen that I think a lot of people are not aware of. <laughs> I think I think not enough people are aware of Patty Smith in general. Yeah, I don't know if she should get all that much credit on Because of the Night. She changed one line in the song. But credit as far as godmother of punk rock, I think she does. Deserve. Oh, God, yes. Also, she's just an interesting person. She's very interesting. Very yeah. manly looking, but extremely, extremely uh, intriguing. Handsome man. Not that looks have anything to do with, with musical prowess. That's a but, little bit uh, appearance normative, Brett. <laughs> I just Horn I think swoopy, that bungo pony. <laughs> <laughs> I think that looks do influence the way people approach music. You know, like like in this era where everything is is uh, you, you it used to be that you saw an album cover and you heard the music and you appreciated the music for the music's sake. Now you see videos. Now you see promos. Now you see people go looking if if they hear a band they check youtube for videos because they want to see and i think it does like i've had my opinion of music changed usually for the worse by looking it up on youtube and actually seeing a performance of the music yeah yeah no, i think i think you're totally right i mean there was a time where you look at so many of the albums that came out in late 60s and 70s and everybody looks like the band Everybody looks like five stoners with beards, just like standing there. Like that's the, that's the publicity photo is it's just five guys standing there, often in front of a brick wall. And uh, it's, it's, it's funny today because I think that the, the change that you have to accept, though, is that they're selling, you're selling a different kind of package today. You're not selling a big piece of vinyl that you listen to a hundred times. You know, you're selling this whole kind of media experience of, of somebody who's going to have videos or like in Miley Cyrus's case, she's going to host Saturday Night Live. She's going to have online feuds. Like that's part of her whole thing you know what i mean the the controversies Absolutely. and the posters and all that's all just part of the a package i don't know i try not to be too cynical about that but i am i think there's a place for cynicism but at the same time like the first time you see jello biafra perform after listening yeah. to the dead kennedys for long enough there's a change like all of a sudden you get a lot of things about the band they seem I think, uh, much I think would have been important. much much weirder the, the 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 rubber gloves always kind of uh, seem very disturbing to me. <laughs> well, the whole uh, Third Reich regalia. Yeah, he's got a lot going on, but yeah. they're a very interesting band. Like, there's have you seen that video uh, in the studio uh, around the time of uh, the EP where they're recording Nazi punks and uh, and all that stuff? Where it's like them in an unair conditioned studio in San Francisco, and somebody went in there with like a two camera setup in like 1980 and shot them in the studio. You ever seen it? Yeah, I have seen that. I, in fact, just recently I saw that. It's it's yes. really inspiring. God, they were a weird band. They were my they were so yes. my favorite punk band when I was like nineteen. Uh, and rightly so. I mean, the guy was far more intelligent than a lot of what was uh, like top of the not mainstream but top of the underground scene, mm -hmm. like the Pistols and the Misfits and all these things that were going on. And 
but they were weird. Uh, Ted Kennedy's I mean, really East, thought East, it through. East Bay Ray was a surf guitarist who looked like he worked at a car wash. <laughs> you know, and it, like my uh, a friend of mine in Florida used to say, Bob Mould looks like the guy who comes to mow your lawn. Like the the, the, the heroes in all of my my favorite bands back then were like were like uniformly like like schlubby, doughy, weird. You know, they didn't look like rock stars. And I think that was part of the appeal in some ways. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, the whole thing was really it was kind of a rebellion against the the look of things like Led Zeppelin and, you know, like this polished long-haired rock star image and then out of the garages came these people that said no and then then rollins started bulking up and he grew his hair and looked like manson and they were (laughs) so it's people today will not will not be able to understand how scary black flag seemed in the early 80s like all the incarnations but i mean they were that uh, what a depression is that that the record the their first big album was like before Rollins but th- they were so scary they th- they were so dangerous yeah we could go on for a while like on the the Rollins Chavo debate but we'd probably lose a lot of people and Desgadina yes. but you know the kids love Black Flag debates <laughs> that's another show <laughs> Brad we need five shows we haven't even talked about Black <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of I'm pop just here clip. to serve you. Speaking of pop clip, and I got picks. I was like, you told me to get picks, so I got picks. I don't want to run your show long. It's your show. It, 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 we're at exactly a point where, well, actually, we're at a point where I should do a sponsor break, and then, uh, then we do the top three. But I did. You asked me before the show, like where pop clip fits. Right? Is that the question? Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's one of the potential things. I'm very interested in to, to, to misuse that phrase again. You know, I'm starting to think more about where a given productivity task belongs in the stack of, of your workflow, for lack of a better word. And it's interesting because Pop Clips really got me thinking about that. Yeah, I, I would talk about that. So for me, I use services. You know, I use a lot of services, uh, mostly to do simple text processing. And PopClip, I just kind of, I surface certain services, um, like like uh, making a list of text, of, of just a plain list of text into a numbered or bulleted list. To me, that's a great function for PopClip, because I just highlight the text and then click the pop-up, and I get right. a bullet list. And that's the kind of thing that I do and can and do use services for. You see how I avoided using do, do in there? That was... That was on the fly thinking. You're, you're, you're a pro. You're absolutely a pro. Yeah, but it's in the case of PopClip, I'm trying to think about things that, that are uniquely suited to having just selected a bunch of text. And for example, like I, there's a piece of functionality you can get in many different places that, boy, once you know about it, you never look back. I learned about it in, I want to say LaunchBar, but... Um, it's, there's there's a in, in Quicksilver launch bar and several you know of the of the popular productivity apps. There's a funny little thing you can do, where for example you go somewhere on a page, you select some text, and you hit Command C, and it copies it into your pasteboard. Uh, you know, in which some folks may not realize there's you can have a bunch of stuff. You can have a history if you've got an, you know apps that support that. It'll remember what's been copied before. The great one I love though was you copy something, you go somewhere else and select. You hit Command Command C C. Yes. And that adds whatever you've just selected into the stack. You hit another thing, go command CC. And now it's remembering all those in one place. So if I do that 10 times, I can select 10 things, go into an app, paste, and one item per line, it puts all those items in. That, if you've ever had to copy multiple things and paste it, 
I mean, this this will shave like hours off your year. It's it's giant. But I'm not sure that Pop Clip, I've got it in Pop Clip via you, uh, but I'm not sure if that's the best place for that. Should I be using my Flycut app for that? Should I be using? And I don't mean this in a fiddly sense. I just mean in the sense that with stuff like Keyboard Maestro or LaunchD, whatever, Automator, it seems like you can do anything almost anywhere now. And I'm wondering how you think about where the best place to put something is, where the best place to use something is. Is that too weird? No, I use uh, I use Command CC uh, hourly at least, and uh, and then I did I added my own uh, kind of copy compile thing to Pop Clip, and then found out that there actually is already a default one for that. Uh, mine's just slightly different, um, but I use whatever is at my fingertips at the moment. If I have one hand on the mouse. Um, or on my trackpad and I've just selected text, I'll just use the pop clip one. If I'm working keyboard only, I'm not going to switch over to my mouse to select the text. You know, so it's whatever in both right. the launch bar one that I use and the pop clip one, they're both going to do the same thing and they're both going to work inter- interchangeably with each other. So I just, as with almost everything I do, I use whatever's handiest at the moment. Right. And, and you know, to clarify one thing, to, to be clear, I should say that I guess pop clip Really, it's for mouse selections. Because when I say text Only selection, mouse, I, yeah. most of the text selection I do is with the keyboard. Um, the, I, I don't do like full on like VI stuff, but I'll do like Command Shift Arrow Up to select. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I that's all muscle memory for me is moving by letters or words using the keyboard. And I, God, there's still so many people who don't know you can do that. <laughs> it changed it changed the way I write when I learned how to do that ten years ago. But so I, I will, and then you know. But then the question is, like, do I want to, like, in my case, hit caps lock, you know, control to go to your services? And your services are like, I, I use your services all day long. The uh, the markdown stuff, the you know, clean up a list, all that stuff. I just use that stuff all day long. But yeah, you know, there's no downside, I guess, to having it in more than one place, except in as much as the pop clip bar gets a little crowded if you've got stuff in there you don't really need. Right. Yeah, I regularly trim mine. I like that it limits you to having 20 extensions total. And I try to use regular expressions wherever possible so that things don't, so the things aren't included in the pop-up unless there is text that matches it. Like my one that dials Skype won't show up unless it finds a phone number in your selected text. Yeah. Um but I have you ever gotten fiddly enough to get into my uh um default keybind file? No. Yep. Like yep. like yep. I can I hit tried option it. S. <laughs> I tried I can it. hit option <laughs> S and select the full for full current paragraph and then I can modify that selection up and down without deselecting anything. That's the <laughs> stuff I love. Oh, I can tell you there's there's two things that you've done that I've tried. Um I actually, you know, really like sat down and, and tried to live with for a few days. Um, the, the key bindings one was a little wackadoodle because it was stepping on some other stuff that I had. But your key bindings file, first of all, guys, back up. Make sure, <laughs> make sure you back up. But your key bindings file is it was completely bananas. But it, uh, the, the thread and the two things of yours that I could never get into because I just didn't have the brain for it was the key bindings and the what's your custom web service where you put in a token the exclamation point or whatever to say search uh, Amazon affiliates. What's that called? Web- search link, search link, search link, which is a brilliant idea. And if I were doing, I've got to tell you, if I were doing more blogging where I wanted stuff like affiliate links or a Wikipedia link, if I were doing more of that throughout the week, I would be using that constantly. 
So, I mean, in, in that instance, the, the thing that binds those two together in my head is that they both required learning rather than just searching as needed. So if I select something right now, I use the services so much, I'm in NVL and I select something, I you know hit control and then I get, by the way, wonderful reorganization of the naming. It's helped me a lot the way you've re- redone the naming. And I could say, you know, turn yeah. this into a numbered list or, or do whatever. And all I have to do is browse that list to select the one that I want. Whereas with the key bindings, I feel like I had, I, there was a big learning curve to that as with the, uh, the search link stuff. Yeah. Well, the search link to me is pretty, pretty intuitive, but I get that what's intuitive to me isn't necessarily. It's not difficult. When it comes to little, when it comes to little free projects like that, I tend to just do what, what's natural to me and not really consider too much how everyone else is going to get on with it. Well, no, it's totally sensible and it it has, it has its own uh, internal logic to it. That's, that's unassailable. It makes total sense. And it's just that I, it's one of those things where I would have to spend a little bit more time to really learn it. And I think I satisfy with what I've got now, which for example, in MVAlt, uh, as, as you know, is something like selecting a word and hitting option command V. And if it's inside of a paragraph, it knows that I want that to turn that into to take the clip, take the URL in my clipboard and make that into a markdown link. If it's on its own line, it's smart enough to know, make that into a markdown reference link. I use stuff like that all the time. And it's, you know, it's a part of it is uh, maybe a getting older thing where I feel like, you know, is this something I, I try to notice stuff where I still, to this day, the basic life hack, I still try to notice where I'm spending way more time doing a certain kind of thing than seems sensible and then finding a solution. Or in the case of something like your services, it's easy enough to just drag this into your folder, open it up, you know, restart your app, and suddenly you have this embarrassment of riches, and you just have to remember to remember. You just got to remember that it's in there. You don't have to go type all that stuff manually. Those are an easier fit for me, but um, the keybinding stuff. Do you know? Do a lot of people actually, use those? I don't think so. I have to. I have to remind people about them when they ask me to do something that that's covered there. But I mean, these days I spend a lot of time actually going through my solutions and figuring out where I don't spend time and and removing the solutions to kind of hone the workflow a little bit. But Mm. such is life when you spend all day creating solutions (laughs) for problems that you may never have again. Sing it, sister. (laughs) Did you want to to tell me about something you like? I do, I do, because that was that was uh, a good concentration of nerd there. Uh, let's see. Our second sponsor today is Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 28 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and a million video clips. You can start your search at Shutterstock.com and find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from around the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. Choose whatever fits your need and never have to compromise. If you need just one image for your blog or mock-up, you can do that too. And I do that all the time. Like, I I don't do the monthly. I don't use it enough. I'm not a designer. Um, So I'll often just go buy a one-off image and I keep like 50 credits in my account. It, It works really well. Um. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new since they add 20,000 new images every single day and 12,000 videos each week. It's more affordable than you think, too, with no extra charge for large files. Just download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, take them. 
Easily curate and share pictures via Lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own Lightbox gallery as you search. You can also use their iPad app to do this. Then there's something called Enhanced License Access. If you like an image and you want to run it on print or swag for your trade shows, they can get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips should you need any of those. If you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions. They also have 24-hour support during the week. To sign up for a free browse account, go to Shutterstock.com, no credit card needed. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME1013 and get 25% off of any package you put together over at Shutterstock.com. Nice. You're getting so much better at these. So much better. It almost, almost for a minute there sounded to me like I wasn't reading a script. Oh, no, no. Totally natural. You're like a method. Well, actually, for for a full paragraph of that. (laughs) I have a tip for for Shutterstock is to go through and uh, if you start using Shutterstock a lot, get in the habit of noticing as you're browsing all those those thousands and hundreds of thousands of images, get in the habit of noticing, oh, that's a cool image. Like, I don't need this right now, but I really might like this someday. Um, But, you know, of course, if you're on task, you might think, oh, well, I don't, since I don't need this now, why bother? Put that in a light box. Start your own morgue right on um, Shutterstock. And if you come across the kinds of stock art or vectors or videos that you might, that that just suit you, that you like, if there's a funny picture that you liked, um, that can be a weirdly creative thing. It may give you ideas for other things to do, but also you won't have to go, you know, when you go back later and go, oh, where's that one picture of the kid with ice cream on his head? You're going to have it right in your morgue waiting for you. It's a, you know, I think it's a really good idea um, to benefit from your own, you know, cognitive history by sticking that all in a place where you can find it again if you want to. And they make it really easy with those light boxes, which you can share. Do you keep, uh, do you keep multiple light boxes for different topics? I do. I do. Um, I don't have as much need for stock art as I used to. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I'll create them for, for another program I'll do for our ad spots. I will, um, put, put in, uh, make a light box just for that show. But uh, also, I just like having funny pictures around. It's like your own little milkshake, <laughs> you know, for uh, stock photos. Right on. Okay, so anyway, what, uh, what do you have for your first top pick this week? Well, I got three, uh, three picks, uh, and they're all things that I have not used very much or for very long. Um, I've got a new iPhone that's got the M7 chip in it, so I'm, I've been very interested in what you can do with that M7 chip, or the motion sensor, GPS sensor. You guys know what this thing does. But I've been, as soon as I heard that, I was very intrigued by what it can do. And I'm happy to say there's already a bunch of apps out there that, uh, that will, will leverage this. My favorite of the ones I've seen so far um, is this one called Strava, S-T-R-A-V-A, Strava Run, which is available on the App Store. And it's, oddly enough, it's free. It has a premium version that you can buy to get more stuff. But it's just, it's like like any of those fitness tracking apps you've seen or run runkeeper type apps you've seen. Let's say you're going to take, in my case, a walk, an amble, or you're going to take a run. You flip it on and you start running or walking in my case. And uh, it basically collects all the information about stuff like, you know, where you are, uh, what um, altitude you're at and so forth. It, obviously, it's not going to get stuff like your heart rate or anything like that. But I, I, I think it's, it's a fun way for me to say, okay, I'm going to flip this on when I leave the office. I'm going to go to the post office. I'm going to walk the safe way and then I'm going to go home. 
And uh, it tells you, you know, how far you went. Uh, it tells you how long it took. You can compare your, your previous times you've done that trip to current times. It's got a heavy social thing that I don't use at all. And, uh, but, but it's, it's really cool. I love looking at where I've walked on a map. Like when my daughter and I go somewhere on the weekend and spend three or four hours going somewhere, it's fun to see the path of where we walked, like where we went back to the Starbucks to use the bathroom or whatever. And you see the, the line on a map and then it, uh, keeps track of it all for you. Again, in the free version, you get a, an account on a website where you can go in and it'll keep all that stuff, um, for you. And I just, it, Like I say, there are many apps coming out now, pedometer apps and stuff that will let you do this, but this is my favorite so far. There's another one called Argus that's pretty cool, but if you want to see stuff like see yourself, if you want to really put this through its paces and see things like uh, where you went, but also in my case, altitudes, it's so interesting to see the reason I'm so winded all the time is I can see a graphic representation of the hill that I walked up to get home because the M7 can, can, uh, can track all of that. So uh, it's worth checking out. And like I say, since it's free, it won't cost you anything to just see if you like it. Strava Run available on the uh, iOS App Store. Wow. Okay. Is that, I assume that's uh, more convenient for you than like a Fitbit that you have to keep separate? I'm trying to be compressed. I, uh, I, I didn't want to repeat stuff I said on, uh, on that other program, but I, I, yeah, I've got a Fitbit that I, I really like a lot. I've got a Withing scale, wireless scale that I use now. And uh, I've kind of tried to just very gently turn my life into a video game where I see how many steps I can get in a day. Fitbit is great for tracking the number of steps. You, in, fit, in the case of Fitbit, I say I want to take, you know, 11, or I think, I think I've got it at like 11,000 steps a day. And so make sure I get that much exercise every day. Uh, it keeps track of your sleep on the Fitbit, which I, I love. And so, you know, I'm really trying to rack up points with that. And an app like this, it makes self-quantization easier and more fun because it, it kind of putting it on a map, I think, makes it uh, really cool and fun to look at. But they work very well together in conjunction. And while I'm at it, I'll mention one other in passing. There's a site, I think it's a free site, called Syncmetrics, where you can go in and it's almost like what? Like Yahoo Pipes for, for fitness and tracking apps. Where it'll, if you've got a Fitbit, uh, a Nike thing, uh, if you have a, a Garmin something or other, you can basically, to the extent possible, connect up those little API pipes with each other. To say, for example, take my, um, I think you can do this already on the Fitbit site, but say like take my Withing Scale information and put that in my Fitbit. Uh, use this for tracking sleep rather than that and connect all those pipes together uh, all on one site. Syncmetrics.com is useful for that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not like getting fit or anything, but it's, but having this, it's, it's a basic nerd thing, right? If you've got this app that will show you how you're doing, you're much more likely to try harder. Gamification of fitness. I like that. <laughs> Do you know what sync, sync metrics can uh, um, output it like an RSS feed at all? That's a good question. I will look. Um, I'm just thinking it would be really fun to get that into Slogger. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, I have to imagine that you could probably do something like that. Go look at the page. It's got lots on there. Um, and, you know, the only proviso I will say is be careful about making sure you don't step on one piece of it. Because there's so many things that track activity. You wouldn't want to say, use this for my activity, you know, to the extent of that. Or you don't want to end up with three nights of sleep logged per night. But, you know, if you, you can go in and it provides the missing link for a lot of, a lot of pieces. So I guess I could go in and see what I used. I used it mainly because Fitbit is mainly where I kind of want all that to be. And so it just makes it easy to... Uh, that together. It's a fun site to play with. Syncmetrics.com. Sounds like it. Okay, so uh, should we do my first pick? Yep. All right. I picked Feeder 
um, from Reinvented Software, which also makes a cool app called Together. Um, but Feeder is designed for creating RSS feeds, and it can do. It's great for podcasting. It's great for uh, any developer who wants to create uh, what's known as a Sparkle feed, which would be how you release automatic updates. And it can take just about any kind of information and give you a, a simple wizard for publishing new entries in that RSS feed. It works with Amazon S3, works with FTP servers. It's uh, simplifies, and I use it primarily for these Sparkle feeds uh, to release software updates to things that are self-updating. Uh, but for anyone, especially for podcasters running outside of an established network, it's ideal. I think it's fantastic. I used it for the Merlin show uh, many years ago. It's funny, I started, I started something recently that I'm now going to use this for, which is I started my own private RSS feed. Like if I want to listen to a, uh, like if I listen to this, to like listen for show notes and stuff like that, what I'll do now, this is, this is so tortured, I forgot about this app. Right now what I'll do is I'll put that on Dropbox and copy the, pay, uh, copy the URL and go into TextMate and create a new, I've got a text expander that creates a new RSS entry. Uh, but this would actually be much easier for that. That way I can listen to it in Instacast and get the 30 second buttons and everything. But this is a terrific app. And you know, in some ways, does it remind you of like uh, Mars Edit a little bit? It, it, it's almost like an old school XML RPC blogging tool in some ways. It's that same structure of you create entries inside of a blog and these are the attachments, but it does it all for you. It's idiot proof. You put in all the, all the, you, you can't screw up stuff like the iTunes tags, which can be really weird if you're trying to do it manually. It's a terrific app. Definitely. I, uh, I use it not daily, but for all, all everything related to that kind of work, I definitely do it. Um, and it would probably be ideal for my Jekyll blog if I didn't have that already scripted all to hell. All right, so what do you have for number two? Um, number two, this is, again, this is one I've just started using, but I think it's very interesting. I, my main, well, almost only browser, my main browser is Chrome on OS X, and there's a new uh, extension for it that I think is really interesting called Faro, F-E-R-R-O. You can go search for that. It's on the Chrome uh, web store. But Faro is, in a nut, Quicksilver for a Chrome. And uh, so you can go in, you type a, uh, you know, a, a custom command to pop up a little like a bezel inside of Chrome and you start typing and it can do pretty much all the kinds of things that you would think of Quicksilver doing, but it does that with all your browser data. So you could do, for example, things like say quickly save all of these tabs as a set, pin this particular um, tab, do things like say close all tabs that don't include the following text and things like that. I'm not persuaded that it's yet that it's going to be like the greatest productivity app ever, but it's a very interesting idea, very reminiscent of like old school Firefox extensions where people would do all this really bananas stuff for Firefox. But if you're somebody who, um, you know, like for example, a lot of what I do where I would need something like this, I actually use your extensions for or your TextMate uh, bundles for. I use the Blogsmith blogging bundle for a lot of stuff like this. I use your copy all tabs from Chrome uh, service. But it, you know, if you're a nerd and you use Chrome, and you're probably a nerd if you use Chrome, uh, check out Faro. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. There's a video, like a three-minute video that can introduce you to what it does. But if you are a keyboard person, uh, this may scratch an itch for you. That sounds really, uh, really cool. I haven't, I haven't used that particular extension, but I do love uh, Vimium for Chrome. Have you used that one at all? Uh, I haven't used it. It's one of the ones he recommends, uh, you know, using in addition to this. And that's, that's all kind of JK 
uh, type stuff, you know, or like next and previous type stuff? Yeah. Uh, well, next, previous, up, down, uh, tab left, tab right, open tab, close tab, search bookmarks, open. I, I use it for triggering bookmarklets. I can just type uh, shift B and then type the first few letters of a bookmarklet and hit enter. It's pretty cool. Well, that's terrific. I, I do. I have hacks for that stuff. I have the worst hack in the world for Chrome where I went in and created custom menu items under keyboard shortcuts so that my first like nine bookmarklets um, have, you know, command sort of sort of like in Safari. That's what I did with Chrome. There's probably other ways to do that. But I'll tell you one thing, man, in the same way that like, remember when RSS first started being just de rigueur, like you would go to a page and if it was a blog, you, you knew that there was going to be an RSS feed in there. I like whatever, 2003 or four, I wish JK keys were like that for paging through things right now. You know, I, I, there's, there's just enough sites to do it where you can do JK for up and down, or you could do, on, on like Tumblr, for example, I don't know if people know, you can hit command, I don't know, I don't know this, I think this is baked in, I don't know if it's a, an extension. Command shift, arrow left and arrow right will let you go through dashboard pages. J and K will take you down entries. Once you start using that stuff, a la Vimium, you, you really want it everywhere. It's, it starts to seem crazy to have to click to, to go to something on a page. Have you seen Mousecat? I don't know. Tell me about it. I think that's what it's called. I forget now. Um, but it, it pops up on any any Cocoa window. You can press a, a shortcut key and it pops up a little uh, input field at the bottom and you can type the first couple letters of any menu item within that window and then hit enter to to, to use it. Um, so anything that you would normally click with your mouse and it doesn't work in Chrome, but you have Vimium in Chrome. But it brings this kind of uh, keyboard navigation to absolutely any Cocoa application. Oh, I did see that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I did. That that stuff is terrific. And uh, but that's another one of those things, a la Quicksilver, where once you start using that, you kind of can't believe you didn't always have it. Yeah, that's an, that's a really neat idea. I used to do that again in the in the crazy days with Quicksilver. I would use the ability to get to any menu item right. inside of an app. <laughs> do you remember when they first introduced that? It seems so bananas. <laughs> um, I, I actually have my keyboard set up right now so that uh, if I hit the right command key one time, it turns on full uh, Vim navigation for any field. So I can use JK, HL, and, uh, and a host of other keys. That's all with uh, uh, not PC keyboard hack. Uh, mm, Better touch tool? Key remap for MacBook. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I want to make sure people always know about Better Touch Tool, which you turned me on to. I, man, I love that app. I probably don't have time to talk about it today, but I, that's still, I still use that for so much stuff. There's probably stuff I could do in Keyboard Maestro. Keyboard Maestro seems like such a big project to learn. I know it's great, and it, I know that if I get into it, I would love it. But, uh, you know, I, I still have all these little onesie-twosie things like uh, Better Touch Tool. Better Touch Tool, man, I'm, I'm so glad you introduced me to that. That, that thing is crazy yes, great. I use it. I I couldn't survive without better touch tool. All right, so where are we? Let's see. You did Faro and Strava, and I've done Feeder. That brings me to Tally, which yes. is uh, an iPhone app that I find just terribly interesting and extremely handy. It um, it's a it's an app for counting things, and uh, basically you can you can set the increment that hitting uh, uh that adding an item will increment the total. And then you can you can kind of save different tallies, uh, and so you can have multiple counters running. 
Uh, but it's really easy. You just tap the screen to count up, and then you can swipe down to count down. Uh, swipe right to see your stored tallies, and swipe left to configure the options. And then that's basically the app. And um, it's perfect for any time that you're trying to keep track of things that are happening, events that are happening, or or people that are showing up for something, or anything you've ever needed to count it's just a simple like one thing well kind of application and it's from the same guy who makes drafts so mm-hmm. you know it's pretty brilliant yeah it's it's really handy you can use it for games i mean there's all kinds of stuff it's it's clever i, I love do, do you follow one thing well do you follow that site absolutely religiously <laughs> i learned so much great stuff from that site it's just it's a site where every day they post stuff that an app that does one thing well and i, I love it yes I I actually I complained to him once uh, to Jack there that weekends he he wasn't posting anything on weekends and it was like a it was a a mental downer for me to go and and check and not have anything new to play with uh, so he started uh, buffering some posts for the weekend <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I feel like every day I discover something on there that's at least extremely clever if not so many things I'm I'm using today on my Mac these little uh, apps and utilities that do one thing I learned about from that site. It's, you know, if you're going to follow, you know, software sites, that that's, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I am definitely adding it to the show notes right now, just in case people Tally. haven't seen it. Tally. Yes. One thing. Well, yes. Um, highly recommended and Tally is highly recommended. I don't even... There are a few counter apps and the one feature that I love in one of the other counter apps is uh, shake to increment, hmm. uh, which is really handy when you're counting people in a room and you can just kind of go uh, like shake your phone in their direction <laughs> and just quickly add a uh, an increment for it. Uh, but he he didn't didn't grasp my use case and I didn't make a very good argument for it. So that hasn't made its way into the app yet. But I'll tell you, Brett, that, there, are, there are shakers and there are non shakers. It's it's one of those things where like when I, I can't believe I've like many of us, I've recently found out how many people don't lock, don't have a lock on their iPhone, a lock code at, at all, which, which blows my mind. And uh, when I've learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I've, now I really feel completely isolated because I can't imagine not doing that. I, also, I meet people who have never shaken their phone. And they're like, well, that's not a feature I would ever use. You look silly. I'm like, oh my God, I do it all the time for stuff like undo. So like, if I shake the phone and it doesn't undo, I'm like, this thing is totally screwed up. I think some people just don't like looking like a dork with their phone. Well, if, if you use it often enough, you realize it doesn't take that much of a shake. No, it's more like a jostle. Yeah, a jiggle. A jiggle or a jostle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, right. want, you want my number three? I do. This is really a, a bizarre one. Um, I I don't know. I'm I'm trying to get better about, uh, I don't like talking about security stuff, but I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit better about security stuff. And uh, like you, I know, I use 1Password and stuff like that. But, you know, there's really, there's, there's two parts to any login, which is, you know, you've got your user ID or email, and then you've got a password. Uh, a lot of people use the same two pairs, that same pair for everything, right? It's always, you know, uh, my name at hotmail.com, and pencil 69. And obviously that, that opens up some troubles because if somebody gets that one pairing, it's game over. And I think for those of us who've gotten better, uh, at the, 
arguably, I think, more important part of that is, is to have different passwords for everything. So one password makes that really easy to do. One password lets me go and create a, a custom, unique password for every login that I can then go change. It's very easy to deal with. Um, I, I haven't gotten quite to the point where I've redone all of my logins. But I, I have to think that one way to further obscure stuff is to not use the same login for everything. Now, that's not tenable for some stuff that you've used a long time. But in the case of something like... There are apps out there like that Run app. There are so many apps out there like whatever, Firefox syncing services. There are so many things out there where you might go and log in and go create uh, a login using that, sure, that same password, but almost definitely that same login. If there's a service that you go to where you don't benefit from using your real name, consider putting a fake name in. If you've got a way to use a different email address, like for example, if, you've, if you're running your own email server and have the ability to do that, you know, with, with Google, with Gmail, you can do stuff like say, my username plus string to make a custom email address. Uh, mainly though, this is like, if you want to just slightly obscure your actual presence on things, uh, t- just two quick ideas that are related. I found this site called Behind the Name, and it's just the most basic, simple, dumb site in the world. You go and it creates fake names. It's mainly for people, I think, who write fiction. But going in and using your own parameters, you can go in and create a fake name, which could just as easily now be a fake username. So if it doesn't benefit you to be TT scoff on this particular service that really wants your data to be out there, consider going in and making some nonce uh, one-off Sorry for people in England. <laughs> one-off <laughs> one off username for that. And the two ways that you could do that, if it's a fairly low security scenario and you want to just look like a, a generic person, you could go to behind the name and have it go make a plausible looking fake name. Uh, the other one that I do, and I think you know this trick, Brett, is that you can go into 1Password and in the same way that you can generate a password, you can also just generate a string of letters and numbers. Right. So if it's something where you're going to want to be doing syncing, but there's absolutely no benefit to people knowing that that's you, you might want to go in and create, what? Who cares? A 20-character string of letters and numbers that would be acceptable as a name, but uh, it would be meaningless uh, to somebody who's trying to see if that's you. Brilliant. Is that dumb? No. Yeah. No, especially in this day and age. I, I, security aside, uh, data privacy, you know, that definitely would further the uh the the cause the goal well something i i've had to do that i think a lot of people do and i'm nowhere near saying i'm great at this but you know increasingly when i sign up for a service to use something like anytime you get a device now you got to sign up for a service i got one of these motion wemo or whatever motion sensor things and you know you got to go in and create an account you know you go to something like if this then that well if you're using if this then that and it's important to you to have the social component you want your name but you might want to have accounts in places where it's not your name. So, you know, like I say, it's, it's just another little step. But I feel like every time I sign up for something now, the very first thing I do is go in, change the password to make sure it's like a better password over what I might have picked on my iPhone. But then go in, and because, you know, again, I'm not doing that inside of 1Password on my phone. If you're signing up inside of an app, you know what I mean? It's kind of this little island. So you want to make sure and write that password down somewhere. But then, um, you know... I guess I just, I always feel like I have to go through and look for menu settings with names like profile and privacy and things like that. Because if you don't watch for it, you may be surprised how many apps you sign up for automatically share everything, unless you tell it not to, in my experience. Which is, I don't know, I mean, to me that's kind of a bummer. I I get why they do that, that's the business and stuff, but it is really more than ever incumbent upon us uh, to try and at least latch the screen door on that stuff. So fake names are one place to start. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Um, my last pick is 
the opposite, I guess. Um, it's a privacy invasion pick. <laughs> um, it's called Sneaky Picks. And uh, it's an iPhone app that will uh, let you basically show a call screen on your phone and start just automatically snapping pictures every two seconds. So when you want to take a picture of something hilarious at the airport, but you don't want to hold your phone up and embarrass somebody at the moment, you you can just flip it on, hold your phone up to your ear and pretend you're talking and then, you know, look at look away from them at 90 degrees. And you've got uh, you've got some stored photos of uh, of whatever you were that trying to capture. So good. So you can get you can get a uh, get some shots of somebody clipping their toenails on public transit without embarrassing yes, them. Exactly. <laughs> and you'll embarrass them later when you post sure. it to Twitter it's and tell the right. world. But <laughs> but in the moment when you have to deal with their reaction directly, yeah, you can be more covert about it. Oh, uh, what's it called? Sneaky Picks. P I X. Oh, that's a good pick. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, that's three and three. Which brings us to sponsor three, and uh, and I'm, I'm especially a fan of this uh, sponsor. Although I haven't tried this app yet, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'll tell you about it. Um, if you need to do anything with PDFs, you need PDF Pen from Smile. That one I've tried. We'll get to the really cool one in a sec. Uh, you can add a signature, make changes to text and images, correct a typo, fill out forms. That's only the beginning. If you have a scan document, PDF Pen includes OCR, so you can convert that scan into text which can be searched, copied, and corrected. If you want to remove sensitive info, such as tax ID numbers, from your PDF before sharing it, PDF Pen can perform redaction, removing the stuff you want to keep private. PDF Pen 6 is out now, and the new features make it more powerful and easier to use than ever. The interface and tools have been updated and improved, and you can now export your PDFs to Microsoft Word format for sharing or editing. And here's the big news. Smile has something brand new. It's called PDF Pen Scan Plus. Now you can have the power of your office right in your pocket. The PDF Pen Scan Plus from Smile is the scanning and OCR app for your iPhone and iPad. Scan contracts, invoices, or receipts as PDFs with your iPhone or your iPad, and then use the OCR feature, which is performed by the app itself, not offloaded to a cloud, and it supports 16 languages to make that scanned image into editable, searchable text. You can do an OCR even if you're not online. You can also scan multiple pages into a single document. You can get this now for an introductory price of $5, $4.99 in the App Store. And if you go to uh, smilesoftware.com slash 5x5, you can see a beautiful video by my friend David Sparks about the PDF Pen Scan Plus. So you can get PDF Pen for $60 in the Mac App Store or directly from Smile. Or you can buy PDF Pen Pro for $100 and get advanced features like form creation tools and document permission settings. And then don't forget the newest edition, PDF Pen Scan Plus for $4.99. You can find out more at smilesoftware.com slash 5 by 5 And that's exciting stuff for just about everybody. It's like magic. When you use it, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where you're sitting there with a computer in your pocket, you pull it out, you take a picture of a funny sign and then you do a little dragging and now you have text. It's the weird, it's the weirdest thing in the world and it actually does work. Very cool. All right. So Merlin, this is our sign off. Mm. I'm sad now. Mm. Um, let's see. You, you, your, your primary Twitter account would be hot dogs, ladies. Yeah. You got a hot dogs, ladies. You could listen to Roderick on the line.com. You can oh, listen I highly to, recommend uh, Roderick on the, I just, I've, I've been kind of sporadically 
catching up with it, but right now I'm addicted to it. That's a great show. Thank you, man. It's it's a lot of fun to do. And of course, I do uh, with my co-host, Dan Benjamin. I do back to work uh, at 5x5.tv. So many great shows you can find at 5x5.tv. Uh, a show by Brett Terpster you can listen to there called uh, Systematic. That's pretty good. Uh, and what else do I do? I do other stuff. I do other stuff. I got I got a blog. It's got a bunch of comics on it. But people hate the comics. Did you, see, <laughs> did you notice? Did you notice, Brett, that until now I didn't even mention comics? I did. I, I'm trying. I, uh, I'm evolving as a person, Brett. Okay. Okay. If you consider that a character flaw, then I'm I'm happy for you. Others do. <laughs> All right. And, Marco, uh, I think Marco is developing features and applications because of my comics talk, which is like the greatest, the greatest and most damning non-compliment, left-handed compliment in the world. Nice. I've become a bug. <laughs> Title. All right. And I am, I'm TT Scoff everywhere, Twitter, app.net. Etc. And I am at brettterpshire.com. And uh, and as a random self-serving plug, you should also go check out Marked2 at mark2app.com just because I think you'll love it. Um, Add me on for a whole show to talk about Marked, buddy. Poof. That new one is gold. Dude, okay. Re- I'll make this quick. But the next update that comes out, which is free to all Mark 2 users, uh, it has a, a zoom out feature. So you can shrink your document to half size for quick scanning up and down. And the word repetition feature works right in the document instead of bringing up an overlay. So you can you can check for repeated words by paragraph or by entire document scope and then zoom out and see the little pink highlights all through your text and then zoom back in and it'll go to whatever point you've scrolled to in the, in the zoom out. I love it. That's a great feature. You know, you're, th- that stuff, when I remember to flip it on, it's like you pay for this app, but you get a free education and what a freaking hack you are. I, I, when I, me, what a hack I am as a writer. <laughs> when I see uh, that plain English stuff is, uh, I, you, I never heard of that about that before. You talked about the plain English campaign. And uh, it's a little weird to read plain English stuff when you first read it. But then when you read other stuff, you go, oh my gosh, my, my prose is so purple and bruised. What a great well, feature. As, as we roll the credits here, I should give... Uh, uh, Michael Schechter, the whole keyword highlighting thing came from a, a brainstorm with him. And all the way back to that command option V and NBL, I got to say that was David Halter entirely. So credit where credit's due. Well, thanks to everybody, because that app, man, your, your suite of apps is, uh, it's a good thing. Thank you for being you, Brett, and thank you for having me on. Thank you for being here. And, uh, and that'll be Systematic Episode 65 with Merlin Mann. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in a week.